As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. You know, we've talked a lot about uh, my last wishes when I go to my great reward. <laughs> yep. And that is, well, there's a couple of different things, but uh, I think the most fun one is to, at the grave site, have the open grave there and then do the trigonometry involved and fire my body from a cannon right into yeah. into the open hole. You've talked a lot about cannons being involved in your your putting to rest, mm-hmm. your your laying to rest. Sure. Um, and I'm thinking, like, I know where you're going to be buried, and I don't think so, sir. Nope. Yeah, where I want to be buried, or actually, I'm not going to be buried. I'll probably I'm going to be cremated. But we could shoot your urn. That's a great idea. No, you know what? Put my ashes in like an old-fashioned muzzle loader. Oh, see, that would be interesting. Yeah, we could fill uh, bullets with your ashes and then shoot at targets. Or I'll give you a list of five people I really don't like. Uh, You better be careful about where you're going with this. And then take my ashes to them and just... Oh, right in their faces. Jethro says, see ya. I think that's assault, sir. Well, I won't be around, so I don't give a crap. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to look at uh, some uh, unusual last wills. Last wills? And testaments. Oh, okay. Now we all know who Harry Houdini was, one of the greatest escape artists in history. Mm -hmm. Uh, He died in 1926 from a ruptured appendix. Allegedly. Interestingly, (laughs) on Halloween is when he uh, he died. Some guy punched him in the stomach and he wasn't ready for it. He had said at some point in his career that he could withstand any punch from anybody. And so this big strong guy came up backstage and didn't give Houdini any opportunity uh, to prepare himself. And the guy punched him and it ruptured his appendix and he died. That's just... 
the worst idea ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both sides. Mm-hmm. You don't invite people to punch you in the gut. I'm, I'm sure he had like some sort of a uh, a supportive truss that he had hidden under his outfit when that happened. I mean, he he had an angle on everything. I mean, he was great at what he did, mm-hmm. but he was just very good at hiding keys and holding his breath is what it came <laughs> down to. Anyway, uh, he, in his will, had, well, he laid the groundwork for a miraculous return uh, from, from beyond the grave by asking his wife, Bess, to hold a seance every year on the anniversary of his death. And they had a secret code between the right. two of them. Yes, I remember hearing that. And uh, he was going to relay the code through the medium to prove that he existed in spirit. It was not stipulated in his will, technically, but it was a pact that he had with Bess. And uh, she did that. She For 10 years after Houdini's death, she held a seance, but uh, he was never able to pull off his greatest trick. It was never confirmed that uh, he was able to pass that information along. You and I really should have this same kind of code, because I think probably if you kick it first, everything that happens to me, I'll think is a sign. I'll be like, that's Jay. It's trying to get out of that. And uh, the town people will hate me. Mm-hmm. And um, And if I kick it first, then... Well, I mean, you you wouldn't have time for seances anyway. You'd just be so grief-stricken. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we should have yes. some sort of code. Well, yeah, I, I agree. Like I agree. when I was a kid. How about pork chop sandwiches? I think that's a really good one. Pork yes. chop sandwiches. Pork chop sandwiches. Yeah, it works. Okay, I'm into it. Uh, I'm going to have to write that down, though, because I won't remember. Okay. Um, Leona Helmsley. She was called the queen of mean. She was a hotel heiress. And she was, she was a tough person to get along with. Uh, when she died, she had $12 million. This was back in. Like uh, on her? Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> she died in 2007. Maybe she didn't. Because I, when I picture her, I picture her in one of those like 80s suit jackets, like with the big shoulder pads. Oh. Maybe it wasn't shoulder pads. There's a, maybe there's it was a just picture of her right of here. Cash. Was it? Let yeah. me look. Look, it's exactly what you're describing. Is it like a brown? Yeah. That's what I picture. No, in, in my head, it had checks rather than stripes. Really? Yeah. And, and it probably wasn't a mugshot? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so she died in 2007, and uh, she had two grandchildren and uh, $12 million in her estate, and she willed all the money, zero to her grandchildren, mm-hmm. and $12 million to her dog. Oh, good. Okay. How old was her dog? I don't have that information. I, I could not tell you. But it, by the looks of the picture, yeah, he was getting up there. Well, then it's important that he have long-term rehab care in the event that he has to deal with some sort of like, you know, old dog care. <laughs> well, it was appealed in court. and Who, who gets to appeal that? Her grandchildren. Rude. Uh, the judge eventually reduced the 12 million dog... Uh, dog dollars? Dog dollars. <laughs> To two million. And the dog's name, by the way, was Trouble. <laughs> That's cute. Trouble still got to live a life of luxury with a caretaker in a hotel in Florida. Trouble lived to the year 2011, and he was placed at Helmsley's side in the uh, mausoleum in uh, Westchester County, New York. Oh, that's nice. And he left $3 million for annual washing and steam cleaning, his forever resting spot. So $3 million, they're always going to go in and just clean the dog's 
resting spot. That's awesome. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So the so that left ten million, right? Because there was no the the, um, the kids each got five million. Why? I guess because they were the kids. <sighs> yeah, I know. I know. I mean, do, don't we think that maybe she had her reasons? Yeah, but I think that everybody knew she was an ass, and so they immediately sided with anybody else. <sighs> Rude. You know? But I understand what you're saying. This, these were her wishes, and uh, they weren't carried out. Well, it's, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So there's this guy, he's a Canadian millionaire. His name was Charles Vance Miller, and he loved humor. He loved humor. People who say they love humor are not funny people. Perhaps. Or they have a skewed view of what, what is funny. <laughs> but yeah, he loved, he loved money even more. <laughs> he died on Halloween again Ooh. in 1926. He had about $9 million, which in 1926 was, whoo, that was a lot of dough. Yeah. So he left it to the first Toronto family that could give birth to the most children over a 10-year period following his death. What? Mm-hmm. That's terrible. They called it the Stork Derby. That's gross. That is so gross. Yeah, that, that was, he thought it was, it'd be funny. And perhaps he, he said it as a joke at one point and people just took him seriously and, and carried it. Kind of like me was shooting my body out of the cannon. You don't actually want that? Oh, no, I want that. Oh, okay, okay. So this was covered widely in all the newspapers at the time, the Stork Derby. In the end, six Toronto families cashed out, dividing the money through lawyers and lawsuits, four families with at least nine children received $2 million in today's money. Well, two other families with similar numbers of offspring fought for the reward in court. In one sad instance, a family that produced three stillborn babies would have upped its total to 11, was the first denied the prize, and then um, was given a $200,000 settlement for good try. Uh, A similar thing happened to a mom who produced 10 children with two different men, but found that the judge considered them illegitimate because... Was that part of the rules? That was part of the judge's rules and society at the time, I guess. I don't know. I have many problems with all parts of this story. (laughs) (laughs) I just think like, I don't know, that's baby making such a personal thing and to... Well, and then to try to pump them out like quickly, there's like, there's effects to your body. Sure, and sure. that's just, ugh. and then people who didn't meet that goal of getting the most, but still had maybe more than mm. they could handle mm-hmm. without that additional money. Sure. It's, it, that's terrible. Yeah. That's vile, really, mm-hmm. when you think about it. Like, let me put you in a position of emotional, I mean, let me put you in a position of financial insecurity. <laughs> Those are all true things that just came forth from the hole in the front of your head. Um, The thing is, Miller's family members later said that uh, he probably underestimated how motivated people would become. Because this was 1926. He had not foreseen the Great Depression. And so, yes, he thought, you know, it'd be a fun little contest or whatever. But he didn't know people were willing to just... Fuck until they died. Millions of dollars, millions of people, millions of dollars was a big deal then, regardless of the depression. Right. But even more so in the depression, people were far more desperate. I guess. He also outlined several other somewhat ironic wishes in his will. According to Ranker, he left a home 
an island getaway in Jamaica to three men who hated each other. <laughs> Red. <laughs> to people known to oppose gambling. He left interests in a jockey club. And to uh, teetotalers, he left his shares in a brewery. So... Wow. He got the last laugh. It seems like he was a guy who thought he was funny, but was really kind of just a dink. Yeah, he was a, he was a rich dink. Because getting people to do things for you just because you have money doesn't mean it's funny. It, <laughs> that's, it, that's true. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like the movie Rat Race, mm-hmm. right? In reality, I'm winning. that situation would have been very dangerous Ooh. for the people involved. Cock doggies. <laughs> Why is it that... <laughs> Out of all the great lines in that movie, I could only quote Rowan Atkinson lines. Ooh, a nickel. I don't know. Yeah. I, I sat you down one night. You have to watch this movie. It's freaking great. And you just kind of like went, yeah, it was okay. And I was thinking, this is the greatest thing since Caddyshack. And then I showed you Caddyshack and you went, yeah, it was okay. Maybe the buildup was too much. Maybe. There was something about uh, a lot of those 80s comedies that to me just, and maybe it's, I'm just of a different time. I don't know, but they just seem crude to me. And crude doesn't equal funny. Like you need to work for it. Mm-hmm. You can't just show me farts and I'm going to mm-hmm. be like, ha ha ha. So, I mean, sometimes here's, I Here's a farts, fun little game for you, though. Go. Look at the cast of Rat Race and count up the Oscar winners. Okay. Hold on. Oh, you're going to do it right now? Okay. I mean, sure. Is, yeah, okay. is this what you yeah, wanted? Yeah, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What, what is the point of this exercise? Just that for a stupid fart movie, it had a lot of prestigious Oscar winning Oh, yeah. Actors. No, the cast was great. I'm yeah. not denying that. But uh, The it, movie was stupid, but enjoyable. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't say it wasn't enjoyable. It was an enjoyable film. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it was, it was. You're making me sound like a dillweed. It had John Cleese in it, sweetie. I know that. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, I mean. It wasn't Holy Grail is what you're saying. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah, That's... nothing is. Come on. That we agree upon. <laughs> so back in the day, and when I say the day, I mean the Revolutionary War, um, some patriots would tattoo patriotic slogans on their skin, kind of like today. Sure. In many ways. Live free or die. Woo, no Hampshire. Massachusetts, a guy in Massachusetts, his name was Solomon Sanborn. It's a great name. He had some tattoos that were somewhat patriotic. He willed his skin to be fashioned into a drum to keep the beat of Yankee Doodle. Oh, wow. He specified that his body be left to science, placed in the Anatomical Museum of Harvard, but only after two drum heads were made from his skin. And then he asked that the Declaration of Independence be inscribed on one drum and Alexander Pope's Universal Prayer on the other, his friend was instructed to play Yankee Doodle with one of the drums each year on June 17th at Bunker Hill. I'm trying to think of what, I mean, only so many parts of your body could be used for a drum head. Mm. They must be back skin, right? And probably back skin and abdomen. That would be my, unless it's a really small drum. True. Mm. I suppose you could make a teeny tiny drum. Teeny tiny arm drum. <laughs> so Napoleon Bonatar. Bon- <laughs> So Napoleon Bonaparte, he was an interesting guy. He curiously scribbled into his last will and testament, according to Ranker, that his head was to be shaved upon death and his locks would be distributed to his friends and family. 
Oh. Uh-huh. It also had some thoughtful requests for his money to go and where he wanted it to go and words of wisdom. But then he, he really concentrated on where his hair went. Wow. That's a very specific thing. Yeah. To Okay. Now, he didn't bequeath his penis, but that's out there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Napoleon's penis is still out there. was, uh, according to The Independent, cut off during his autopsy by a somewhat cruel doctor, Francesco Automarch, by a cruel doctor, in front of 17 witnesses, uh, before it was acquired by priest Abbe Agnes Paul Vignali who gave the leader his last rites. So the priest came in, gave the, you know, Napoleon his last rites. Uh, then afterwards, the doctor cut off his junk and gave it to the priest. Was that like some sort of, like, we don't have a tip for you, pizza guy? <laughs> Here's a tip But for instead, you. here is Here's a tip. can of beans that we found in the cupboard? Just or? the tip. All right. So it passed through Vinali's family before it was eventually bought by American... <laughs> rare books dealer A.S.W. Rosenbach in 1924 and then displayed at the Museum of French Art in New York in 1927. That A.S.W. Rosenbach is amazing and it reminds me a lot of previous downtown Bangor book peddler W.J. Lippincott. Do you remember W.J. Lippincott's? I do remember W.J. Lippincott. I loved that book. Store. Why did I say it like that? Bookstore. The place where you bought book. Mm-hmm. Multiple. Why? Um, I just don't know what would make you think that that was an appropriate thing to do. Yeah, I don't know. It's currently owned by Evan Latimer, who was given it by his father, who was a renowned urologist after it was bought at a Paris auction for the princely sum of $3,000. The relic is known among the Latimer family as... Napoleon's item. Quote, Dad believed, again, this is according to the Independent, Dad believed that urology should be proper and decent and not a joke, said Latimer. It's very small, but it's famous for being small. It's perfectly structured. The university have done x-rays and examinations, and it's obviously what it is. I've seen a lot of penises, from Chihuahua to a sperm whale. This is so withered, said Mark Evans. The last place I would have expected to find it was New Jersey. It's strange. Yeah. They recently did a DNA test on it to see if it actually was Napoleon's penis. Sure. Whether it was just like an urban legend or a story or whatever. But yes, nearly two centuries after his death, it's been confirmed that the uh, French military and political leader had a very, very, very small penis. Well, of course it would be small by now. Well, I think even taking into consideration... It's about one and a half inches, and it is, in fact, Napoleon's penis. Well, I mean, it's cold. Where New it's... Jersey's cold. Yeah. It's a cold state to live in. I sympathize, Napoleon, but that would explain that whole Napoleonic complex uh, thing, you know? No, it sure. wasn't just stature as far oh, as... stature. <laughs> as far as height went. Anyway, that's all I got for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's it. Goodbye. Okay, well, thanks for ending on a... Penis note. Ooh, cock doggies. And now, that thing in the middle. That thing in the middle. Stuff people overheard at work. Number five. Can you show me how to open this banana? (laughs) Number four. Would you rather be a bath or a toilet? Ooh. 
That's deep. Number three, this weekend, I'm going to just sit around in my pants eating cheese. Number two, well, apparently he accidentally cheated, so I have to forgive him. And number one, waffles are actually pancakes with abs. <laughs> the Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— 
We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities. Celebrity voice impersonated. What you got for me? What, what you, what, what you, what you got for me? What, 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 what you got for me? In 2013, a 19-year-old from Virginia drank a quart of soy sauce after being dared by his friends to do so, because of course, why else would you? Yeah, the soy sauce challenge, I remember it well. Yeah, um, he went into a coma and nearly died. No shit. Yeah. That's worse than Tide Pods. (laughs) I don't know, I'm not saying that that's a medical fact. It's just my simple opinion. I don't think so, because Mm -hmm. Tide Pods will start burning and killing you like right away. It's bad for your mouth skin, it's bad for your trachea, wait, trachea? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's bad for your insides, it's, you know, poison. At least soy sauce is a potable. Yeah, I suppose. So anyway, the uh, coma was caused, and and his near death was caused from the extreme levels of salt in his body. So it's called hypernatremia, and it's a condition where there's just too much salt in the blood. And when the bloodstream becomes saturated with salt, it draws water from other parts of the body, including the brain. Mm. So that's the attempt the body is making to lower the salt concentration. But when the brain loses water, it can shrink and then bleed. And that sent this kid, as it would send you, into seizures. Oh, my God. So his friends brought him to the hospital because they're decent kids. And for some reason, I see stories all the time of we just didn't know what to do. So we let him die on the kitchen floor. Right. Anyway, sorry about that. Went into a little tangent. Um, And by the time they got to the hospital, he was in a coma. Doctors flushed the salt from his system using a mixture of water and sugar dextrose. And his sodium levels did return to normal five hours later. But he remained in the coma for three more days. Oh, my God. Doctors said that he was lucky to be alive, and he was the first person that they know of to uh, overdose on such a high amount of salt and survive without lasting neurological problems. I read an article one time that was very (laughs) anti-salt. It was part of a cleansing thing that I had read. (laughs) So anti-salt propaganda. (laughs) Yeah. They describe salt as rusting your body. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Mm. I don't typically eat a lot of salt. Um, In fact, when I had my apartment back in the day and I had a wisdom tooth taken out after I had broken up into a bunch of little baby pieces and Mm. gave me a migraine, it was terrible. Did you use it for salt? Is that what you're getting at? You used your crushed up tooth for salt? No, that's weird. Um, I had my wisdom tooth taken out and I had to gargle with salt water. Oh, yeah. But I didn't have salt in my house because I didn't use it. So I went downstairs to where my landlord lived and I asked if I could borrow some salt so that I could flush out my mouth because I just had this wisdom tooth taken out. And he was horrified. He was like, what do you mean you don't have salt? (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, I uh, I don't really use salt. And he was mm. like, well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> this was an older gentleman. Yeah. He was like, obviously upset by it. Yeah. And so he gave me a bag of salt. How big a bag? It was like a Ziploc baggie full of salt. <laughs> and so then... you, can, you can gargle and you won't slip on your steps in the winter. <laughs> it really was an excessive amount of salt, but apparently not enough because then like a week later, he brought me a box of salt. He was like, here, you should have salt. You and I really like, need salt. I have salt. You gave me a bag of it. That was weird. Anyway, I don't usually use a lot of salt. That's the point of that story. Thanks for hanging out with us, freaks. We look forward to seeing you next. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about weird things that you can overdose on. Cool. Including soy sauce, apparently. I know you remember this. In 2007, uh, employees at the Radiological Associates of Sacramento joined a challenge hosted by radio station KDND. It was uh, called Hold Your Wee for a Wee. Yeah, this is like, this is the reason why I hate morning radio to this day. And I say that as a person who made a pretty good living at it. Yeah. But I freaking hate that kind of crap. Well, it's, it's just, a contest because it has the word we in it twice. I think it just, maybe it wasn't thought out yeah. well. And sometimes I can see how someone would come up with an idea like this and be like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. But then when you go with it without thinking it through, right, that's right. where the mistake lies. Yeah. And uh, this turned out to be deadly. So the objective was to drink as much water as possible without using the restroom. And one of the contestants was Jennifer Strange. She was 28 years old, and she wanted to win the prize for her kids. So everyone had to drink a bottle of water every 15 minutes. The bottles became increasingly bigger. And eventually, Strange got a headache, and she dropped out. The pain drove her to tears, and she told her supervisor that she was going to go home. And that's where they ended up finding her body. So oh my God. she literally died from a water overdose. Technically, it's called hyponatremia. Tremia? Hyponatremia? It's triggered when too much sweating or consumption of water thins out the sodium levels in the blood. So in this case, not enough sodium in your blood. Um, and severe headaches are a telltale sign. But of course, no one knew that. People just thought she wasn't right. feeling well because right. she just drank a crap ton of water. Sodium's real important, and the levels of it can affect you uh, dramatically mm -hmm. uh, when, when you are consuming too much either soy sauce or water. Just be careful. Moderation, guys. This episode is about moderation. Don't listen to Oscar Wilde. No matter how funny he is <laughs> or was. One of my uh, favorite Oscar Wilde quotes is, moderation is a fatal thing. Nothing succeeds like excess. Yeah, I love that. Um, but in this case, it's a terrible idea. Keep it chill, guys. So in 2009, the anti-smoking group DECA, which stands for Drug Education Counseling and Confidential Advice, hmm. handed out Nicorette nicotine gum to students at a school without the parents knowing. So wow. it, the gum was handed out to smokers, but ended up being passed around on the school ground, of course, because kids, you know. It's gum. And kids who smoke want to keep smoking. Your gum isn't going to make them stop. Stop it. Anyway, um, and 14-year-old Aiden Williams uh, didn't 
think anything of it when some of, of his classmates gave him a bunch of their gum. So the Nicorette contained two milligrams of nicotine, but he was not chill, uh, did not practice moderation. A gum aficionado. And chewed 30 pieces in an hour. <gasps> Holy shit. It's about the equivalent of 900 cigarettes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he swallowed them. Oh, no. Did so, he die? He collapsed with severe stomach pain and was hospitalized. Uh, they treated him at the hospital and said that he was, it was very possible he could have died, but he did not die. He made it. They were able to oh, good. get all of that business out of his belly. And um, despite the fact that this happened and medical opinions saying, hey, this isn't a great idea, the school that Aiden attended stood by DECA, the group, and their decision not to inform parents that kids as young as 12 years old were being given up to 105 pieces of nicotine gum. Who? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, the Dunkin' Yo-Yo Man would come to the playground. Did you school the yo-yo man? Were um, you like, oh, I'm glad you came to school today. Yeah. I'm going to teach you some things. Yeah. Well, I was a city champ when I was 12. Yeah. Are you referring to the time that we were at uh, Disney Springs and the yo-yo man was at Disney Springs and I took his yo-yo and started teaching him tricks? Is that what you're referring to? A little bit, yeah. That was probably a little bold on my part and somewhat aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, but there were other people there. Uh, that you were like, look at this. Yeah. Hey, check this out. I'm just saying Dunkin' Yo-Yo Man was a lot less harmful than Nicorette Gum Guy. That's, I would agree, mm. yeah. So, black licorice. I've heard that it can help induce... Vomiting. I hate black licorice. I do too. It's the worst. Uh, but it can be dangerous, especially for people over the age of 40. So, I mean, it's good that you don't like it. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> It's good, because Jethro's old. The, <laughs> the FDA <laughs> released a report cautioning against the effects of consuming black licorice on a regular basis. On a regular basis? Mm, on a regular basis or in large quantities. This came after a 2016 case where someone who often delighted in consuming black licorice experienced Heart problems. After mm. eating 57 grams, that's about two ounces of black licorice, every day for two weeks, a patient was sent to the hospital because of experiencing heart palpitations. Black licorice contains a compound that causes potassium levels to decrease. Mm. So when potassium levels fall, people are at risk of suffering from abnormal rhythms, uh, high blood pressure, even congestive heart failure. People with existing heart problems are at a higher risk of experiencing adverse effects from consuming black licorice. And you can over dose on black licorice. I mean, I would say any amount is just a bad idea <laughs> yep. because I don't like it. And it's one of those things that I think you either really like it or you really don't. I don't know anyone who's just kind of meh. Yeah, I'll have some black licorice, I suppose. I don't know anyone who I, feels I never that liked way. licorice anyway, but especially black licorice. Even red licorice, though, that's just like cherry-flavored polymer in my mind. I don't like licorice, but you know what I do like? Twizzlers. But I don't like knockoff Twizzlers. You like the real authentic. That's right. Twizzler. Yeah. You're a Twizzler purist. And I like to bite off the ends and then make it into a little straw and sip on a Coke with it. 
That's genius. <laughs> That's delicious. Genius. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Anyway, an Arkansas man suffered kidney failure as a result of drinking too much iced tea. Huh. Yeah. So the 56-year-old man, well, he did he did enjoy his iced tea. He drank about 16 cups of iced tea a day. Uh, and that's eight-ounce cups. Okay. You should drink that many glasses of water. It's even more water than recommended. Yeah, you're right. I have a hard time just drinking two glasses of water. You do good. I you do. drink more water than you used to. Yeah, I don't drink soda at all anymore. I know. Yeah. Great job. Thanks. I don't either, unless I have some Twizzlers on hand. <laughs> um, so he was admitted to a hospital after complaining of nausea, weakness, and body aches. And doctors discovered that his kidneys were clogged and irritated. Um, they were just pissed right off. Um, and so they started him on dialysis, which he will probably be on for the rest of his life. Because he loved iced tea. So, yeah, the damage to the man's kidneys was caused by a chemical called oxalate. And that occurs naturally in black tea and other mm. foods like rhubarb and spinach. Um, so his obsession with iced tea uh, led to damage so in intense that he'll have to be on... Yeah, dialysis for the rest of his life. Wow, that's yeah. a stiff price to pay. It's true, but it's also, again, 16 glasses of iced tea a day. Eight ounce glasses, you That's said. a lot. 16, wow. How does he find the time for that? How do you find the time? It's like people who do smoke like multiple packs of cigarettes a day. How? What do you do that allows you to do that? I could never get in more than two packs a day, <laughs> even when I was trying. <laughs> Well, I'm you, just kidding. I never smoked trying, two packs a day. Trying hard enough. I, I, when I was younger, I did smoke over a pack a day at one point. But you were allowed to smoke at work. I was allowed to smoke at work, and I would light a cigarette and put it in the ashtray, and it would burn down. Right. You know. So I didn't really smoke. I went through a pack. You went through a pack a yeah. day, but I smoked maybe half of that, which is still awful. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I had a, I had a time. When I smoked, and I smoked quite a bit. I mean, it was about a pack a day. Um, but I was also incredibly depressed. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, uh, kind of didn't care about things or how right. they progressed. Yeah, so, you know. Sure. And, um, yeah. So. But you don't smoke anymore, and that's no. great. Very rarely I'll, I'll delight in a cigar. Yeah, me too. If, we're, if we have a, like like a, bonfire. a fire pit going yeah. and we're... We're out there sipping some IPAs. We'll we'll light a cigar, and mostly it's to keep the mosquitoes away. But occasionally, a little puff off the cigar. We were somewhere. We were at a hotel once, and they had a, a fire pit out back of the hotel, and we took our cigars out to the back of the hotel. Mm -hmm. I don't remember where we were. Portland, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Um, and I realized only when other people are around how stinky they are. Like <laughs> yeah. when it's just you and me, I don't care. I no. don't notice it, whatever. But other people are around and I was like, oh, this is rude. I don't like this. So what was it that made you quit? Cigars? No. Cigarettes? Cigarettes. I promised my sister I wouldn't. It was her uh, oh. her Christmas present. See, that's just wonderful. That's great. Well, I, I was quit. poor and well, I, I needed to give her a Christmas present. Sure. And I knew that was something that I would never... Um, Go back on because right. I told her I wouldn't. Yeah. So, and you have a special re relationship. It was economics for me, uh, for the most part. They just got to be so ridiculously expensive. Yeah, and you quit long before they oh. actually got expensive. No, 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 no. They had got up to dollar ten a pack. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm done. I don't know how much they are now, but I, I mean, 
the last I time no I idea. noticed it was like six something a pack, seven something a pack. And that's just for generic yeah. cigarettes. If you want to get the good stuff, you know, then. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. When I started smoking, you could buy a carton of cigarettes for like under 10 bucks. No wonder people smoked so much. <laughs> well, I got to get through these. Yeah. I want them to stay fresh. Right. Now, when I smell like that old smoker smell, yeah. like not someone who is actually smoking, that smell doesn't bother me at the all. The fresh cigarette smoke right. doesn't bother you. And the smell of a pack of cigarettes I really like. Mm-hmm. But that, um, you know, that that guy that comes into the convenience store. It's been raining. And he smokes his cigarettes in his car with the windows shut. Yeah, he's and hot boxing. <laughs> and, and he's got like this big puffy uh, parka <laughs> that's very porous. <laughs> and then he stands outside and it gets wet. Yeah. And oh, then he comes in. That's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> that guy's the worst. I hate that guy. He's not a real guy. No, but, he's not. But, you know, that kind of smell. It's mm. just, it's really unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moderation it's all about moderation. Yep. And don't smoke in your car with the windows up wearing a parka, especially when you have to walk out into the rain. Right. I mean, lessons. That's what this show is all about. <laughs> it's about lessons for living your life. You're welcome. <laughs> Okie dokie. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> no. We look forward to seeing you next time, you, uh, you goofballs. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, a beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.